This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is Nabil Memoth, your host from Kona, Hawaii. This is your co-host, Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey. Hi, this is Chris Wade from Atlanta, Georgia. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. So before we get started, let's start with a little bit about you. So right now, I'm a, a regional manager for the South uh, East Data Centers for a Fortune 500 uh, company that's running a lot of HR and uh, um, finance uh, programs for um multiple companies all over the world. And I've been here a little over a year, back home in Atlanta. Um, we just finished building another data center in Atlanta. So I'm running back and forth between all these different sites and getting things going and getting everything online. I have some people that should be doing it for me, but you know how it is. I can't keep my hand out of it. <laughs> if you want anything done right, Chris. That's it. I said, well, when I get in the way too much, just slap me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, been in the industry about 30 plus years. I guess I'm calling my age out here, but uh, I've been in the industry for quite some time. Right, so you're at, least, you're at least 30 years old. Got At it. least 30 years old. <laughs> well, there, there you have it. And, and in data centers and technology, it's actually carriers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So tell us uh, and our audience uh, about what do you really do in a data center? What's your core? So for what I'm doing is I'm managing the operation uh, for a hyperscale data center. So we've... We're putting in the deploying the servers, the racks, all this kind of thing, making sure that you kept your correct power utilization, looking at the energy efficiency, looking at uh, the new products that are coming in and how we can make them work more effectively and more efficiently. And uh, <clears throat> we've done a lot of the break fix for these systems also. So it's kind of a, taking a full gamut a little bit different from what I'm used to. I'm used to being more on uh, the facility side, uh, but this I have a little bit of both. So it's it's uh, definitely a lot going on. <laughs> I'll say that. I had to hire four more people during pandemic. <laughs> so we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, yep. you know, what I want to emphasize over here is that Chris uh, had a phenomenal career. Uh, he's been with some very well-renowned organizations. Uh, like you said, Chris, uh, 30 years or so in the industry. Uh, what are some of the core lessons that you have learned for the in time the that you have actually spent in the industry? Oh, yeah. I, God, we don't have enough time for that. You know, <laughs> I've learned so much. I uh, get on the psychologist couch, Chris. It all started right, 30 years right. ago. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, I started out in the industry in, in HVAC and climate control and, and somehow got over into nuclear power. And uh I was in nuclear power for several years and switched back over. That's when data centers was just starting to come up really big. 
got interested in those data centers and uh, <clears throat> left nuclear power and went into the data center industry. And one of the things I learned about the data center industry is it, it's constant change. And you have to be fluid and flexible to go with that constant change. Because you have a lot of, you know, you look at things from a project standpoint. Once you get into data center, data center is up and running, and now you got all these servers and all these customers wanting to put all this stuff in, you know, in your own company. You know, I still call them customers, you know. Well, they, they'll come to you and say, well, we have this new idea. We got blah, blah, blah coming up, and I want to put in, you know, 50 servers over here, and I need them in Thursday, you know. Well, it's Monday. Dude, you know. I don't even know if I had the power for that or the cooling for that or the space for that. What kind of stuff is this? What, you know, what kind of, what are we looking at here? Is this high density, low density? And back in the blade days, you know, you could, you never knew what you were getting, you know? So what I learned is make sure that when you get everybody together to talk about a project that you get everybody together, including the data center facilities people, because those are the guys, while, you, while the other ones are making all these decisions, they haven't talked to the facility guys to find out whether they can even put it in. So what I've, all, what I've learned is get everybody at the table at the same time and you can find out that there are certain things you may be able to do, you may not be able to do, or you can change what you're doing to make it even better by getting all the stakeholders involved. That's a big thing in data center world, stakeholder management. I think in general, like the, um, you know, from, from my experience, it's always been one of those things where, um, you, you know, they, you take for granted that the, the, a data center is just this thing, right? You could just keep on shoving things into it. It's like eating a bag of chips, right? You just yep. keep on going and going and going. Uh, right. It's fine. And it's just like they're whining about needing more UPSs or they're whining about needing more cooling and whatever. Just turn it on and you don't have power. Just use an extension cord. It's fine. Yeah, yeah that's all. That's all. It doesn't um, matter. <laughs> but what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is, you know, appropriately setting expectations, right? Making sure that that you're, you're you know, communicating all of the different aspects of, um, you know, of, of what's involved in getting uh, a system or an application up and running. And I think, you know, at, at our core, one of the things we're trying to do with the Nomad Futurists is kind of get um, uh, this, this knowledge out into the world, right? Mm -hmm. that, it's, that it's not just an app on your phone, that in order to get to the point where you have an app on your phone, you have these data centers that actually have people working in them where somebody physically has to install something exactly. and that thing has to be able to turn on. So there's, a, there's an entire, like uh, there's an entire world that is necessary to be built in order to make it so you can click something on your phone. Exactly. And, and no one thinks about, you know, I, I use the example when I'm talking to some of the people I'm training, I said, when you, when you go over to turn the light switch on, you hit the switch and the light comes on. That's what it's supposed to do. You don't really care how that happens. You just need the light to come on. Right. I said, now, in reality, when you hit the switch and the light doesn't come on, the first thing you want to do is say, okay, is either a fuse is out or we need to call the utility company. There's something is wrong. <laughs> you know. I usually go for the light bulb first, but yeah. There's a lot of things that's happening to get that light off. <laughs> and it's the same thing with your phone. There's a lot of things happening to make that phone work, you know, in the background. Right. <laughs>
So you basically are at the foundation level of the physical infrastructure, right? Uh, have you seen that there has been a significant shift in the mindset of the technology folks? And and the reason I'm asking this question that you're actually one of the first people on this podcast that's on the structural, electrical, mechanical side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Have you found over the last three decades of your career that there is finally a shift where we have started to talk to each other? Because the old mindset was that I needed this application and it will automatically appear. Yes. Yeah. You, you, know, you, you hit it right on the head. For years, there's always been this lack of conversation between what we call the IT guys and the facility guys. There was this big gap. Was, you know, things just magically happened as far as, as far as the IT guys were concerned. And then you got the facility guys over here saying these IT guys always want something we can't do, you know, and all this kind of thing. So it was, it was always a gap. But things are now coming, I won't say it's fully come together, but they are getting to where that conversation, everybody's being brought to the table. And that's because of energy efficiency of the data centers and the, the power utilization of the data centers is affecting not only the uh, foundational power and cooling and structural side of the data center, but it also has to, you have, you have to deal with the IT side. You know, you need to make some, they need to start looking at where they have started looking at the chips that they're building. You know, they're starting to look at, you know, everything is getting smaller and as it gets smaller, it gets hotter. So how are we going to dissipate that heat? And okay, it's fine to dissipate the heat out of this, that system, but where are you dissipating that heat to? You dissipated into the heat of the data center, in the room of the data center, rather. Okay, so now the data center guys got to get rid of that heat. So how do they do that? You know, so there's a lot of new technology that's been out there, and a lot of old technology that's coming back. You know, such as liquid cooling. Back in the old days, that's what we had. <laughs> Was, I mean, you back know, in, in the, the old main... days, when you got hot, you just that's splashed true. some water on your face. Exactly. It's it, you know. <laughs> mainframes were liquid cool, you know. And, you know, for 30 years, I've been hearing, oh, mainframes are going away. Well, I can't tell. <laughs> uh, I, hear, I, hear, I hear punch cards are coming back. Um, so, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that uh, another thread that I think is, is, is not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily have a light shined on it, um, is how unbelievably linked all of these varying elements of what it takes to run an application are, right? So you, I mean, take your experience, right? You start with HVAC and then, you know, you, you, you go into nuclear. Obviously you have to cool that stuff gets hot also, right? So there's an applicable knowledge. And then you come back into the data center world um, and, you know, you have this underlying infrastructure as fluid and as flexible and as technical as it has been is fairly consistent with what's been going on there for the last, you know, 50, 60 years, right? It's copper touching copper, glass touching glass, and you're cooling, you're cooling a room. Um, And, you know, where that cooling really needs to be kind of changes based on what's going on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, from the way you're talking, you've taken this kind of HVAC background, you're talking a little bit about power, you're talking a little bit about chipsets now and systems and, and and all that stuff. And and how does that really happen? Does that just happen magically um, based on on the fact that you know you were there and and you just you're the only one that answered the call or do you have you know specific like uh are you taking lessons in power are you taking lessons in chipsets or is it just someone's throwing stuff at you and you're just kind of figuring it out well you know it's it was it was kind of funny uh 
my 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 dad was in uh, facilities, you know, and he ran the data center for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan back in you know a hundred years ago. By the way, I think this makes us this is this is our first second generation data center engineer. <laughs> well, I didn't start out wanting to do that. I was going to be an architect. <laughs> but then he also became a nuclear guy. Yeah, you know, I'm like, okay, there you how did all this happen? You know, so I went to school, started out in school going in architecture. And found out while I was in school, although I was very good at it, I didn't like sitting at a table all day drawing. I didn't, I just said, okay, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Every day, just sitting here drawing. I got to do something with my hands too. I need to use my mind and my hands. So I decided to go into climate control technology, which brought the HVAC pieces into it, which was, I loved it. Everything was good. Part of that was uh, getting into the power plant systems. So I went to uh, school for boiler operations, ended up getting a job with uh, Detroit Edison, was working at their power plant and was in a little school with them. And apparently I did well enough in that school. It offered me an opportunity to go to the nuclear power plant. And I'm like, you know, sure, why not? You know, so that's how I got into the nuclear power. And from that, that's where I first started seeing computer rooms because they have what's called a simulator at a nuclear power plant that is an exact duplicate of the control room that you're running the power plant with. I mean, if you close your eyes and walk into it, you never know that you weren't in the power plant. By the way, a well, rule of thumb is if you're in a nuclear power plant, don't close your eyes and walk into anything. That's right. Please don't. <laughs> so that that piece ended up, that was all run by a computer. And I got fascinated with that computer system and how it was, it was creating all of these scenarios and, and all this kind of thing that we had to respond to while we were going through our training. And... Uh, I just said, you know, one day I might want to get into that. So about five years later, opportunity came and I got into it. And I've been in the in the data center industry ever since. And, you know, and I can say, you know, I worked for uh, a large bank. I worked for Walmart for 15 years. Uh, and then you went to their competitor as well. Yes. Amazon yep. Web We're, Services. Yep. Yeah, the, yep. the Walmart so, of computers. Yes, yes. I had actually retired from Walmart and uh, decided I was going to do my own thing. I did that for about three years, and then an opportunity came up with uh, AWS, and they kept calling, and I said, well, hey, I'll check it out, and I'll go. Just and, when you uh, thought you were out, they sucked you back in. They sucked me back in. I tell you, I was, oh. But it was a definitely experience. I learned a lot of different ways of doing things from AWS. For all of the people that are looking for a job at AWS, I wanted to call attention to that sigh, that long <laughs> sigh um, that 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 came out when he was talking about his what two year stint, three year stint at, yes. uh, at AWS. Yeah, I, I did my time. And I, <laughs> I did my time. <laughs> it was good though. It was a good uh, good experience. We and, you know we. I, while I was there, I put up nine data centers. 
I mean, yes. if you wanted to be thrown into the deep end of the pool in terms of hyperscale, right? I that mean, was that, for sure. That, that, that was for sure. You got thrown into the ocean. So now if you were to start your career all over again from the lessons that you have learned and the trials and tribulations you might have gone through, what would you do different if you would do anything different? You know, I, I've been lucky. I, I, I had great mentors and I was smart enough even at a young age to listen and uh, follow their advice. And the only thing that I think I would do different is I would have taken more time in the early days because I, I kind of, as you can see, I kind of jumped around in, in my career. But, you know, I really wouldn't do that any different because those are the things that brought me to what I know today. If I hadn't had those experiences, it wouldn't have brought me to, to where I am today. I've been lucky where I'm at a point where, you know, I can retire again if I want it. But my thing is, is teaching. So what I would do is I would have put more emphasis on trying to de develop training for people in this industry. Because back in my day, there was no training for this. You just happened to be there and you learned, <laughs> you learned it. And, and today, you know, you see a lot of different certification places and certain, you know, all this kind of thing. And, and just in the last five years, you've been actually seeing universities putting together uh, training programs for data centers because data center, the data center is not only an industry today, it's a profession. And before it wasn't a profession. You know, it, it wasn't looked at as a profession. Well, Today, those were, it, it's a profession. <laughs> those were all the guys that used to hide, hide under a stairwell. Yep. You're afraid of the boss. <laughs> yep. Because that's uh, right. <laughs> they don't want to get the question asked as to how to turn on the light switch. Uh, look, I think, I, I think, I think in general, you couldn't possibly have had training for this stuff, you know, 20, 30 years ago, because we were just learning ourselves, you know, where yep. this is the, the industrial revolution, right? Yep. Uh, 4.0, 5.0, whatever, whatever number you want to throw on it. Uh, so the teachers were, were learning, right? So exactly. it, it takes until, uh, <laughs> until your generation, until we start teaching. And, um, and then here comes the nomad future is trying to teach the world right. what we do but uh look in in in, in general um, it was bifurcated and it still is to a certain extent into, mm -hmm. you know, the plumbers do plumbing, the HVAC guys do HVAC, the power guys do power yep. and you're in your little fiefdom and you don't really know, um, you know, what the other guy is doing. I think now the overarching yep. look at the data center as its own ecosystem that exactly. is part power, part HVAC, part connectivity, part network, part, you know, application and, 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 and the way, you know, the application is actually structured and the chipsets and all that. All of those things are interrelated. So you can't exactly. really look at them. The places that have been the most successful, the AWSs of the world, notwithstanding the fact that they beat you to a bloody pulp for those three years. Thanks, Jeff. Are are the ones that that have understood that it is this holistic approach to compute and yes. that environment that is in and of itself a um, uh, a profession. And that's what has cause the change in that profession, you know? So now you, you look at a guy back in the old days, you get a facilities guy, you know, and he's got his tools. He's got his, he's doing all these different things today. That same role, this guy has to know the facility side. He has to know the IT side. He has to know the uh, 
controls side, because now we're getting into energy management, you're getting into uh, capacity planning, you know, you start to look at uh, even uh, from a physics perspective, starting to look at CFD, you know, computational fluid dynamics, how's this air moving, you know, well, that's not your average facilities guy anymore. We haven't even touched on compliance and security <laughs> right. and all that, right? I mean, it's exactly. just it's never ending. Um, <laughs> if like, this is this might be the first podcast where we dissuade people from coming into our industry. Um, <laughs> it's just it, there's a, there's something in it for everyone. That's what we're trying to say. That's right. That's right. <laughs> just and have you, an open you know, mindset, and you love it. So, Chris, you mentioned energy efficiency and power utilization in the last three decades. What are you finding? What are some of the challenges that we have as we grow? And uh, what what are some of the initiatives that you're working on and or your peers in the industry to reduce the carbon footprint and or the neutrality that we need to get to? I tell you, it's uh, if you look at where we are today, you know, we're, the data center is better. You know, everybody started thinking about PUE and DCIE and all this kind of thing. And so everybody's doing their best to get things down. But we're kind of flat right now. You know, you, you really, there really not much more you can do using those type of metrics. Um, so now we have to go deeper into, into the data center to see how we can... Uh, Better, you know, there's there's only so much power, and we have to better utilize that power. So we had to start looking at how can we better utilize that power. So we got to look at go back into look at the cool liquid cooling, so we can move that heat better. You know, uh, a lot of people are even looking at immersion cooling. You know, where you're actually putting the, the chipsets and the servers into the the liquid to cool it. You know, so. There's some pluses and minuses. Microsoft had a submarine. They, they, yeah. build, they, it, they it, buried a data center in the ocean. Yeah. They have the, you know, I was asked to get involved in the uh, opportunity with a company that uh, did a data center in a submarine. <laughs> and uh, I didn't take it, but uh, even, you know, we're looking at everything. You know, I, get so, I get claustrophobic. Just the notion of that. As much I as I like a challenge, it. I'm not. I'm not holding my breath to. Uh, I'm not putting on a scuba <laughs> suit to uh, to go check out the to reboot a computer. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's it's uh. Well, you know, I don't like to be in the bathroom too long. So, <laughs> we're going looking at the future. Um, we got to start looking at what we can do with this renewable energy. You know. Um, at, at the the way it is right now, we. I mean, you could do your. Uh, solar power and all that, but uh, you'd have to have a field that's, you know, you have to take up so much land to do that, you know, of any value to the data center world, you know, it's just not effective in all areas, you know, say you got a data center in New York City, okay, what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, and I think what's, what's uh, prescient now is that you see a lot of these companies that are shifting um, to power and like using batteries as their primary source of power. Yeah. Um, is that something that you guys are, are looking at as well? You, you know, I've been looking at DC, you know, there's, there's a few challenges with the DC power though. Um, you know, you can have batteries, you know, and, and have something set up and run off of that. But if you really start looking at, you know, I think we should start looking at DC as a whole. Why can't we run the data center just fully DC? Which you could. Telecom's been doing it forever. Sure. Know? However, there's not very many regulations <laughs> for DC. 
there's really not that many people that know how to do DC, you know, and then you have to, if you're going to have a full DC plant, now you got to look at all of the appurtenances that go with it. Okay. So your a lot of things that in that power plant is going to be, if it's going to be all DC, you have to get things that can be that from repairs and stuff like that will also be easily uh, surf. I mean, uh, sourced, you know, if you got a, AC pump that goes out, AC motor for a pump goes out, you can get one in an hour. DC might take you a little longer. But if you're looking at it from a theoretical level, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds because our guys, I'm sure half of them are already asleep, but uh, <laughs> I'm guessing live. Um, if you look at it from the theoretical, outside of logistics, like it sounds like logistics are the big issue yeah. with AC versus the, people like to see a plug, right? They yeah. like to plug it in, unplug it. Nobody wants to hardwire anything. Nobody wants to use a lug nut to plug right. it. But also, you know, very few people recognize that 90% of the heat that's generated in a data center is the conversion from DC to AC. It is DC. The only reason it's AC is because we're too lazy to figure out the logistical issues associated with operating DC, which has kept HVAC guys like yourself in business for the last 30 years. That's right. I tell you, it's it's, it's as simple as that. (laughs) Well, it's certainly an opportunity for the next decade or so. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's switch gears just a little bit over here. Uh, we have been in COVID nineteen for the last almost a year now. Oh. How has that affected you? It, it's it's changed the way we operate. And there's, you know, I hate to say it, but there's been some things that, from a business perspective, that have shown shed the light on something that's kind of good for uh, the business, and that's the ability to work from home. Now I think companies have seen that you really can work from home, you know? Uh, and I know uh, several groups that are not planning on coming back at all. My own company, uh, they were not even looking at coming back to the office till next year sometime. And for, you know, for the data center guys, there's really no change, you know, we, except for I, I split the teams up, making sure everybody's kind of separated and doing some alternate days so we can have, Things for, you know, in case one guy gets it, okay, you all got to go, but at least these guys over here can run that data center too, you know, all that kind of thing. So you're looking at it from a business continuity standpoint. The biggest thing that COVID has done that's affected me is is it goes back more to sourcing and logistics. You know, I've had to pre-purchase, you know, servers because it was taking too long to get things to the data centers. I got, I got to get this stuff up and running, but I don't have any service for it. You know, so, you know, we, all, a lot of the parts, and I you're looking at break fix, you know, your, your DIMMs, you know, your memory, your hard drives, all that kind of stuff. Dell and, 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 uh, HP were having trouble supplying all the data centers with parts. So we bought up parts, stockpiled them so we could have them in case we needed them. And we needed them. Now, I think one of the things that's uh, that's unique, and we've heard this uh, um, uh, as a recurring theme as as a consequence of the pandemic, is uh, the requirement that 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 businesses and to a certain extent individuals become self reliant. Um, you know, to the extent that you could always kind of deal with the just in time nature of, of you know availability of parts and availability of supplies and um, and and third party out certain services and 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 whatnot, you need to really be able to become self reliant 
um, in order to be able to be accountable to your own application. Because as much as you want to be able to blame the pandemic for things, I mean, in your current company, if people aren't getting paid and vendors aren't getting paid because you don't have the resources to be able to process, you know, their invoices and, and, and all that stuff, no one is going to hear you that, you know, well, I couldn't get dims because of the pandemic. So you need to be able to, to, to almost inventory things in a way that, um, that you wouldn't have otherwise done it. And I know it, I mean, I know it just sheerly, you know, from toilet paper in my own house, I have an entire room that is dedicated to toilet paper and paper towels that I had to stockpile because, you know, they used to run on them. And my wife uses a roll of toilet paper. You know what? It's getting too personal. And those are the, those are the, those are the things that, you know, a lot of people don't think about, you know. Uh, so you, you have to have, uh, from a, this the impact of the pandemic puts you more into a IT continuity perspective. I think that's what it does. People are now focusing more on what you need to have to continue to run in case something like this happens. Well, I think I, I think that everybody thought they had a plan. Mm. And when it all came down, they found out they, their pandemic planning really wasn't. <laughs> Everyone, what's, what's the phrase? Uh, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face? Exactly. <laughs> so you talk about business continuity, you talk about the challenges uh, in these times of tribulation, talked about how are you you're separating your teams to create a safe work environment for, for your folks. As we look at where we're at today, the only sane thing that's in our lives is the platforms that we are on, such as uh, Zoom or Ring Central or 8x8 or Opto, whatever the case might be. That's how we are able to connect. Where do you think we are headed? What's next? I mean, this is not going anywhere. I think I made a statement uh, last year in April that it will be the end of 2022 that we might get to some sort of a resolution or solution. I agree. In your experience as it entails to data centers, as it entails to technology, uh, where do you think we are headed? What's next? I think that we're, you know, we're going to start looking more and more heavily at automation. Um, because, you know, there are things that can be done in a data center that if you automate those uh, processes and, and things that need to be done, you don't have to have a, a body, a physical body there to do it. You know, you still need to have data center technicians or engineers, but they can be focusing their time and skills on something else instead of, you know, having to worry, going and pull this memory chip out and put another one in to keep this server up and running, you know? So I think the automation part is really gonna kind of grow in the data center. And it's it's been, people have been working on it, but it really hasn't been, uh, pushed as much as it is now. Um, the the other factor I think is things like you know Zoom and all this kind of stuff. You're going to end. I think from a, a data center perspective, you're going to use that a lot more than having these face face meetings. I think travel is going to cut down. You know, it's eliminated right now, you know, basically from a business standpoint, nobody's traveling back and forth to data centers and all that. But in the future, I think that that's that limitation is still going to be there because there's really no need for you to go there unless you need to go and physically look at or do something. You're going to use platforms like Zoom 
I remember back in my old Walmart days, we had a, a system called telepresence. Yep, Cisco. Yep, Cisco telepresence. And since, you know, I'm you know running a global organization here, we got people from all these different countries and they're sitting in the room just like, you know, on telepresence, just like they're there. You know, so this is not something that hasn't been used before. It's just that the platforms have gotten down to where we can do this on a PC versus using something like telepresence, which costs an arm and leg. <laughs> and I think that it's going to definitely be something that we'll be looking at. Well, most companies will be using more and more in the future. Well, we're um, certainly going to miss the human interaction. I mean, I certainly do enjoy you know, yes. the, the human interaction, the banter. When you and I last met, golly, that seems like ages. Uh, oh, man. You know, the, I tell you. The ability to banter in person in front of an audience on a stage, you know, that's certainly going to be missed. And hopefully we get to a point whereby in the very near future, we should be able to do that. Uh, what are some of your predictions as it entails to challenges that are going to come alongside with the fact that we are going to be a remote workforce on a go forward basis, at least for the next 24 months or so? Um, what are some of the challenges that you think that uh, you're going to face in your area, particularly as it entails to facilities and facilities management and deployment of these new physical infrastructures? I think the biggest impact for me is a uh, people standpoint. I think that that's going to be the, the biggest challenge because right now, using COVID as an example, it's to me, I think it's going to be more and more prevalent. Just about everybody's going to get it at some point, you know, because we're just not doing the right things to keep it from happening. And if I lose a guy or not lose a guy, if I have a guy that, that gets just say come into contact with someone. Okay. He has to report that. Now he has to be gone for 21 days. And if he was around a bunch of other people in the office, you know, other data center techs in that particular data center, well, they'll have to leave also. So who's left to run the data center? If those are only guys you have. So you need to split. That's why I split my team up. So if something like that does occur, I can get those guys over. They can still run, even remotely, they can run some of the stuff. And if they have to go on site to do something, they can. So I think it's from a people perspective is going to be the biggest impact right now because of when you get, when things happen from a, you know, a, a, an emergency situation, how are we going to deal with that? You know. Again, no one's gonna uh, no one's gonna believe your excuse of well, it's COVID, so I couldn't get the back. I couldn't exactly. get it back up and running because you know he had to uh, quarantine. So yeah. what, what, they, you know, what they're not going to hear that. They don't. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear it. They want to use it as an excuse, but they don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, you want to have. They want everyone wants to have their cake and eat it too. Uh, you had mentioned that you had grown your team. You know, obviously, as as data center environments um, uh, uh, grow and continue to um, uh, grow exponentially during during the pandemic, as people start leveraging uh, services like uh, like like what you guys do uh, and Zoom and all that, uh, the fact that you have to grow your teams um, during a pandemic, um, and you know, I think. In terms of, you know, restricting travel for things that we would otherwise have uh, traveled for, you know, we've we've gotten accustomed to it, like you've said, over the course of the last year. And I don't see anybody, um, you know, running to 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 get go in person to close deals or whatever in the same way that they were pre pandemic. But mm -hmm. in terms of in terms of building that camaraderie that is so valuable to an organization 
And it comes along with, you know, having offsites and getting together and, and meeting people in person and actually having that interaction. Um, how do you think we tackle that um, and, and, you know, allow companies to put an emphasis on, on trying to establish that in-person interaction um, and, and the camaraderie and kind of the corporate culture in a way that it was, it, it just kind of happened by accident because we had all of these other things that caused us to be in person. Now you have to focus on that being the reason, the impetus for, for getting together. How, how much do you think that that's a challenge? That is, that's, that's a huge challenge. We're going through it right now. I mean, we even discuss it in our management meetings. You know, uh, we care about how the people are doing and how uh, everything that's been going on affects them. You know, you look at the, the COVID situation, you look at some of the political things that's going on, you look at it, uh, all this different stuff. Is there, something, go- is there something going on in politics? I, I hadn't it's, heard. There's a few is, things. There's a few things happening. Is Georgia, you know? is Georgia important in any way? I, I forget. I, I've been uh, living under, I know, I know Nabil has taken a 14-day break from the news, so I don't know if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> but see, all those things that have been going on, you have to sit back and say, how is this affecting my staff? And since you don't have that camaraderie that you used to have, you can't really go and talk to each other, you know, and, and, and all this kind of thing. And then, like I said, I got some new people on there where they come right during the pandemic. So they really haven't had an opportunity to, to meet all the guys or learn these guys. You know, you get to know somebody. Kind of hard to get to know somebody through Zoom. There's you know, no water cooler. You need a virtual water cooler. Yeah, you know, that, that water cooler conversation it means a lot, you know. And so we've been looking at uh, coming up with different ways to get interaction between the different sites because these these data centers are in different states. And so we we try to figure out how we can get the guys to to not, you know, just to get together and talk about things, but doesn't necessarily have to be about the job. You know, doesn't have to be about a project. You know, just talk to the new guy. But hey, how's it going? With you know, is there anything new that or anything that you want to learn more about? You know, just get well, to what's know going on in your life. I mean, how do you force that personal connection? It's kind of difficult, right? It's, it's because hard. it's not something it's you're trained with. It's something that, in terms of the social interaction, you went to school. You know, you yep. had around friends, and these are people yep. that you know. So eventually, you see somebody having lunch somewhere, and you're like, you know, complaining about their their significant other or whatever. And that's how exactly. you build a rapport. You see exactly. Neil at a at, at at a show, and you know, you have a Tito's drinking competition, and that's how you build mm-hmm. um, some mm-hmm. sort of rapport. I'm just guessing, and I've never no, experienced that before. It, but I'm just those are the kind of things that you know we we can't do right now, right? You know, and you, and you take a, someone new to your organization, he really can't get. You know, I'm really I'm concerned about how they're mixing in with the rest of the team because they really can't mix in with the rest of the team. Right. You have to assume that they're not right. Yeah. So you know, I, I try to get them to. Uh, reach out to each other and, and to talk about different things that's going on, even if you do it under the guise of training, you know, how to train a guy in a, in a pandemic in a data center. That's pretty hard. Let's go out. We want to change this, this uh, dim out in the server. Well, I can't do that if six feet apart. 
<laughs> it sounds like a good sitcom. There should be a YouTube channel that we have. It's like how to train a guy six feet apart. Right. In the data center when the server is only two and a half feet wide. There was, exactly. a great, uh, there, was a, there was a great SNL skit at the beginning of the pandemic where they were trying to uh, they were trying to film a soap opera in pandemic times. And, you know, instead of hugging, they had like a fake arm that they held six feet apart. And it was just, it's, it's incredible. That applies to yeah, really all industries. It's not just data center specific, but we're in such close quarters. I mean, a rack is 19 inches wide, maybe 23 inches wide. Right. Um, that's not six feet. Yeah, it's, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> so what I've done is I've, I've put together some videos using Zoom. We just recorded it and had a guy that has been doing it for a long time set up his, you know, PC or the phone or whatever and do the training via Zoom and record it. And then when a new guy comes in, he can go and get that recording to get something from a hands-on type training with it. But yeah, I tell you, it's, it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. Right. Well, hopefully we come to some sort of a normality in the very near future. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I have the TV personality, but uh, <laughs> COVID-19, one thing that has done is that everybody is a media professional. You've got great <laughs> lighting, got great backgrounds, you've got a virtual studio. <laughs> So, you know, we've touched uh, on quite a few things over here, your career as a data center professional, uh, your journey to becoming a data center professional. We your talked about that too. We talked about energy efficiency. We talked about power utilization. We've talked about metrics. We talked about education uh, and some of the other initiatives that you're engaged in. We have talked about uh, some of the challenges as it entails to COVID-19 and the continuation thereof. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give someone that's wanting to enter into the data center industry and or the tech industry? Ah, you know, I think that it's, I'll start it this way. Uh, So I've, I've been to some of the high schools back before COVID, you know, I would go to the high schools during their career days. You know, I know some people that wanted me to come in and talk to some of the students and they were surprised at what I said. You know, when I came in, I told them, I said, okay, I know, you know, you guys got plans to go to college and do this, that, and other, but you know, college is not for everyone. And don't think that you can't make a very good living without having gone to college. I'm not saying don't go. If you have the opportunity, you have the things to do, do it. But if that's just not your thing, you need to look into the trades. Because when you look into the trades, especially from an HVAC perspective, that opens doors to a lot of different opportunities. And one of those opportunities is the data center industry. Then I start going down into what the data center is, what you do in the data center, the different roles you can have in the data center. And the thing that I would tell people is look at all your options and look at what's coming in the future. The data center is not going away. It is not going to go away. Now, some of the things that are being done in the data center, some of those roles may go away due to automation, AI, you know, all this kind of thing. So if you do get into the data center industry, either on the IT side or the facility side, continue to learn. Don't stop learning. Always look at what's out there and go and try to learn something about that. Just because you're a facilities guy doesn't mean you can't learn anything about IT, you know. 
and vice versa. And that makes you well-rounded and puts you in a position where regardless of what happens in the future, you have somewhere that you can fit in there and still do something that you enjoy. And most of those young people that I spoke with, that shined a different light on things for them. They just never thought about it in that perspective. You know, and I tell them, I said, I'm a continual learner. I learn every day. If I'm not learning something, then I don't know why I'm here. You know, I'm in the wrong place. If, I, if I'm the smartest guy, I'm in the wrong spot. You know, somebody else needs to be teaching me something. You know, I know a lot of stuff, but if I knew everything, nobody would even know me. <laughs> I'd be on an island somewhere having somebody help me out. <laughs> Sounds like Nabil. Like Nabil. It sounds like the message there is stay curious. Yes. Um, um, And forget what it did to that cat. That cat just had bad luck. Stay curious. Um, You know, what's what's interesting in in the times we find ourselves in, you have a lot of um, people in, in acute areas of the economy that have been disrupted, you know, whether they be in, you know, the restaurant or hospitality business or obviously in travel and tourism. And one of the things that we've, you know, preached on, on the show, one of the cornerstones of, you know, our kind of nomad futurist movement is the idea that, you know, there, there, are, there is such a wide breadth of skills required in the data center world. And there has been such a lack of, you know, kind of centralized um, formalized education that, you know, it is totally possible to kind of retrain someone to, to be able to get into some facet uh, of the data center world. And I think the, you know, the best way, just like you described in talking to those children, the best way I think to, to kind of bring that across is to make them recognize that they're using a data center on, on a day-to-day basis in their own world. Like every move they make on a daily basis is somehow involves some process being called on a data center. Whether they're the least technical person in the world, they are using a data center and they probably know more about it um, than, than they think. Yeah. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on the best way to kind of repurpose, you know, so, some of those skills and, and maybe recognize that some industries that are going to be disrupted for the long term, you know, have a significant asset in terms of that talent pool that can kind of be uh, repurposed to, to the data center? Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, I equate it to a lot of guys. I know a lot of guys in the military that were in the military and they come out, you got specialized skills, but it's not really fit for the civilian life, but they have transferable skills. You know, I know some guys that were from the uh, the military that easily transferred into the data center realm from a, uh, a power and cooling perspective. You know, these guys did something else in the service. However, they had that knowledge. You just teach them the data center side of what they're doing and why they're doing it. They have the skill set for it, and they just automatically picked it up. So I think we have to start looking at when when people are looking at a, a resume, look for transferable skills. Don't look for just the exact thing that you're trying to get, because you can get some very talented people that you don't that they don't even know that they have those talents. Right. 
And, 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 and I think the, the idea of demystification is incumbent upon all of us. Like all the yes. kind of leaders in the data center world have to stop pretending as though it's some mysterious place where, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you don't know what's going on in there. You don't want to go right, there. Right. It is, it has the same systems, maybe a couple more of them that you have in your house that you use on a daily basis. That's just, you know, maybe more redundant, hopefully more redundant and more resilient. And now yep. that people are working from home more, you know, everyone's houses to a certain extent, uh, you know, some level of, of data center. You know, I, I, you know, I have multiple internet lines coming to my home right now because, you know, you come That's right. That's right. You got network connectivity. You know, everyone uh, has all this every, type of thing. Everyone's a media guy and everyone is essentially an IT guy. Um, it's so right. it's, uh, yeah. It's, That's the new norm. So there's right. quite a few things that came out of this conversation. Just to summarize it at a very high level, one of the takeaways that I have from what you talked about earlier, Chris, is the fact that we need to change our mindset as it entails to reduction in the job force. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a job cut because of robotics or automation, there's 10 other jobs that are being created. Have an open mindset, continue to learn, and continue to evolve. Yes. yes. Having said that, Chris, thank you again, and thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. What would be some oh, of the last you. few words that you would like to share with our audience? I think the biggest thing from the last few things I would say is it really goes back to that continuous learning, especially in our industry. Things change so fast and things that are the top of the line this year may not be the top of the line next year because of some new technology or new process that's come into play. So be open and always learn because I, I, I just think that I've been lucky over the years, certified in business continuity. I didn't get certified in business continuity because that's what I felt like I needed to do. I was ended up being responsible for a business continuity organization. I said, I ought to get certified. Energy management, energy efficiency, all these different things. It all came from being in a situation where it would be smart to know about what you're responsible for. So I take that same thing and start looking at the future. Look out there and see what's happening. Don't think, look at AI and all this stuff like you were talking about, this automation. Like you say, AI and stuff like that will take some jobs away, but it'll also create some jobs. So start looking at what they need to be doing to get in that realm, the future realm of what we're doing in the data center. And that's what I think we should look at going in the future. Thank you again for joining us today. This was phenomenal. All right, thank you. I love being here. Thank you, guys. (laughs) This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.